Praise God. I love the Bible. You drove here tonight or rode here in a vehicle that's literal. You're sitting in a literal chair. I hope you have literal shoes on your feet. You live in a literal body. You're inhabiting a literal planet. God has showed us his power all around us in literal things that he has created. We're going to be in the uh, 47th chapter of Ezekiel tonight, easy to find. It's Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, then Daniel. And so let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Ezekiel chapter 47. We're going to read 11 verses, and then we'll get started. Afterward, he brought me again under the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. This is the Ezekiel's temple. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had uh, had in his hand uh, a line in his hand went forth eastward and he measured a thousand cubics. That's about 1,500 to 1,750 feet. And he brought me through the waters and the waters were to my ankles. And he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to my knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through and the waters were to my loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the bank of the river. And when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river, were every many trees on one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, and the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish because the, the waters shall come thither for they shall be healed. And everything shall, uh, everything shall live whether the river cometh, where the river comes to. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Igladai unto Iglalam. They shall be a, a place to spread their nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea, that's the Mediterranean, exceeding many. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. Now, I'm sure that you understood every word that I read. I'm sure you've got this calculated and figured out completely. 
So I'm going to try not to confuse you since you already know what it says. I want to use for a subject tonight Ezekiel's River. Maybe seated. I want to give a few introductions, and it'll make a lot more sense to you when you think about what is being said here. Ezekiel is one of those great prophets of God. In fact, chapter 40 of Ezekiel to chapter 48 is talking about the millennial reign of Christ, a time in which Christ will return and set up a kingdom on earth for 1,000 years. You find that phrase, 1,000 years, six times in Revelation chapter 20. It is a literal temple that Ezekiel is talking about. They're measuring this temple. And let me say quickly, so, you, so that you'll understand what I'm trying to say, it would be easy to just try to spiritualize everything that's here. The only problem with that is there's too many doors, too many windows, too many inches, too many cubics, too many things that you've got to try to spiritualize. It is a literal temple. It's Ezekiel's temple. In fact, this temple is the millennial temple, and it will be so huge that God will change the geographical and topical landmass around Jerusalem just so it will fit on the top of Mount Olives. It will, and by the way, if you've read the book of Revelation, you, you know that the planet Earth is going to have a massive Earth surface change. Mountains are going to be shaken out of their place. There's going to be a great change. And, and, and Ezekiel is talking about a new temple that's going to be built. Let me stop right here and explain something to you. In the Old Testament, at the beginning when Moses came out of Egypt, God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle. That tabernacle was about the size of a football field. It was made of animal skin. When the wind would blow in and out of that tabernacle, that huge tent, it would look like it was actually breathing. Why? Because the tabernacle was a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You too are a tabernacle. You live inside of your body, and your body is a tabernacle. And so Jesus is going to come as a picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness. That tabernacle is a picture of Christ coming to earth, tabernacling among us in his own body like you and I have a body, a literal body, a literal Christ, a literal tabernacle, a literal sign of God's incredible presence. Now, not only that, just as there was a literal tabernacle in the wilderness, there was a literal uh, Solomon's temple. And Solomon built this huge, majestic temple, and it was a literal temple. And, of course, it was destroyed when Babylon came and conquered Israel. And later on, after the Jews got out of Babylonian captivity, they built another temple, and it was called Zerubbabel's temple. And actually, Herod tried to steal it by kind of adding to it and doing some reconstruction because he wanted a little bit of glory out of it. And so many of them called it Herod's temple. That would be the third, or actually the second temple. Tabernacle wasn't a temple, it was a tabernacle, a temporary moving about of God's presence. The first temple was Solomon's. The second was Herod, or we would call it Zerubbabel's temple after the Babylonian captivity. Then there'll be a temple in the great tribulation, and the Jews will build them a temple. And a lot of things will transpire in the great tribulation, and I'm not going to get into that because I don't intend to preach all night. 
Notice I said I don't intend to. That don't mean I won't. But anyway, I'm kidding. Come on. Don't get nervous. And there's coming a, a um, fourth temple. And that fourth temple is Ezekiel's temple. It's the millennial temple in which God will come and the very presence of God will reign inside of that temple. You say, well, God is everywhere. I know that. He's right here tonight checking you out. Amen. And I'm right here tonight checking my God out. What an awesome God we serve. So the temple is literal. Let me say immediately, the temple is a literal temple. Just as the tabernacle was literal in the wilderness, just as the temple of Solomon was literal, just as the temple of of Zerubbabel, which many call Herod's temple, was literal. Just as Jesus came to the literal planet Earth, and he was literal, the son of Almighty God, he went to a cross, died on the cross of Calvary, literally. He shed his literal blood for our sins. He died literally. They put him literally in a tomb. He rose again from the grave physically, literally, went back to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God the Father, and today he literally resides as our high priest in heaven beside his Father God in heaven. Now, let's understand just as the tabernacle was literal, but it pointed to Jesus. And Solomon's temple is literal, but it points to Jesus. Every item in the temple pointed to Jesus. Just as Herod's temple or Zerubbabel's temple, it too pointed to Jesus. And even the temple in the millennial reign, this Ezekiel's temple, is pointing to Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people try to say, well, this is actually the four square city the uh, new city, uh, the new city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It is not. I said it is not. The the new city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, a new heaven and a new earth, makes um, Ezekiel's temple, this temple we're talking about, look like a little. How many ever seen them little bitty matchsticks? They look like that size because the temple that's coming down, that new city Jerusalem, is fifteen hundred miles square. It's mass cover the United States if you move in a different direction, and it's 1,500 miles straight up. It's huge. And so the, the temple, um, Ezekiel's temple, though it be large, it could never take the place of the new city of Jerusalem that's coming down. Now, let me stop right here and say this. The new city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven in uh, Revelation 20, 21, 22, that new city of Jerusalem coming down is literal. Literal. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. The mansions is literal. Everything that we look at is something that God made tangible to point to his incredible existence. He's the living God. And so I... I I want you to understand, just as the tabernacle was a picture of Christ, just as the temple was a picture of Christ, just as Herod or Zerubbabel's temple is a picture of Christ, just as this Ezekiel temple is a picture of Christ, also the new city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven is also pointing to Christ. It's literal, but it is pointing to Christ. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. We got Jesus, we got life. We don't have Jesus, we're in trouble. Now, I wanted to go there because I wanted you to understand that out of this temple that is made 
in the millennial reign, the Ezekiel, we call it Ezekiel's temple, out of it comes a river. That temple will be at the top of the temple mount, high and lifted up above the Mount Olives. Israel will be the power nation of the earth. King Jesus will be reigning as king over the planet. King David will be reigning over Israel. Just as this is a literal temple being built, there is literally going to come a river out of the temple, the millennial temple, a river, a literal river is going to come out. Now, if you know anything about water, especially with the Middle East, you've got to have water or you're not going to have a city. Jerusalem has no river. Jerusalem never did have a river. Oh, it's got the spring Hihon, Asian spring. Oh, it's got some little springs uh, around the mountains. It's got Jacob's well. But Jerusalem was never built on like a, like a Euphrates River or a, a large river. Jerusalem has never had a river. In the future, Jerusalem will have a river. And that river will begin from the altar of God. That river will proceed from this great temple and rush down off the mountainside and it will rush eastward into the Dead Sea. And the water gushing from that beautiful Ezekiel's temple, millennial temple, will bring life to the desert, life to the Dead Sea, and bring beautiful Garden of Eden type stuff into the land from that water that flows from the throne of God. Water is life. Ozark, Missouri, where you're at right now, was built on a river. It, it, and, and they didn't drink the water out of the river. It, it, now, there are people that drink water out of the river. I used to go catfishing, and we would boil our water out of the river and drink it. You say, why do you boil it first? You see what the cows do upstream? You boil it. So it's pure. Have you ever heard someone say, you need to, you have a boil order in your town? Why? Because a, a, a water line burst. They're not kidding. They're simply saying, your water that you're going to be drinking out of that tab is mingled with sewer water. So you got to boil it. Now, they wanted fresh water, and the only way to get fresh water is to get it coming out of a bluff, out of a rock. Remember? Jesus is a picture of water out of the rock. Remember that rock that Moses, that rock did follow him, water out of a rock. Water comes through the mountainside, through the rocks, through the terrain, and that purifies that water. And so Ozark built on a river, Finley. It did not drink the water out of Finley. It drank the water that was coming out of a, what they, the old timers called a bluff, and the water would come out of the rock and that's where they would get their water. Garrison Spring, they'd go down and get the water that comes through the rock. Why? Because there's a cleansing process when water goes through the rock. And our rock is Jesus Christ. And there's a cleansing process when we go through the rock. Now, Jerusalem was built and they had wells. Today, we just drill wells. Can you imagine trying to dig a 600-foot well by hand? You know, we, that, that would be a job, wouldn't it? I think Jacob's well was like 300 feet deep. That's, that's a pretty big hole down in the water. That's in John chapter 4. 
But if they drill or dig down in to make a well, it meant that the water was fresh because it came through the rock, through the surface. It was filtered. Now, here we find the water that is filtered through the altar. This water is filtered through the holiness and the presence of God. Water comes out of the temple, and it flows eastward. Let me point out some things tonight, and I, I, I hope you listen carefully because there is a blessing to behold in this. I, I want to begin first by saying this water that flows out of the temple and from the altar. The water that he's talking about flows out of the temple and flows from the altar. Now, we need to understand that it says in verse 1 and 2 that the water came from the south side of the altar, verse 1. It mentions the north, the south, and the east. But it never mentions the west. Talks about the water coming from the south side of the altar. Talks about the water from the north. But it ne- and it talks about the river flowing east. But it never mentions west. You want to know why? I'm going to tell you why, whether you want to know why or not. The water's flowing east because it's flowing toward the sunrise. It's flowing toward a new dawning of a day. It's flowing toward the sunrise in the east. And that water flows toward the sunrise and never flows toward the west because that's where sun sets. And the sun never sets on the child of God. Woo! Be no night there. The sun never sets on the child of God. That's why it doesn't have west. It just has north and south and east. And the water flows east. That reminds me, this is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice in John 19, 34, it says, but one of the soldiers with, uh, that was there when Jesus was crucified took a spear and, uh, and pierced the side of Jesus and out came water and blood. I want you to know that this water begins, this life giving power of God begins at the altar in which Christ was crucified. Life begins with Jesus Christ. And everything begins with the sacrificial gift of God Almighty. If God don't give it, you don't have it. Everything you got now that's a blessing, God gave it to you. And if you don't serve God, you won't keep it. Everything that you're going to have that's eternal, God must give it. Devil can't give it to you. Demons can't give it to you. Perchance can't give it to you. Scientists can't give it to you. Uh, Other people can't give it to you. Only God can give you eternal life. Only God can give you a happy life and a joyful life. Only God can give you a promise of tomorrow. Only God can give you that resurrected hope. And that water flowed eastward because it was flowing toward the sunrise, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm headed for, I'm always looking to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, always looking to the blood that was shed upon the cross of Calvary because that blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary began something incredible in our life. It's called salvation through the blood of the Lamb. It's called the washing of God's water by the blood of the Lamb. 
Now, let me point out, this river flows east. Pretty clear, this river flows east. Verse 3 through 5. And as it flows east, a man, which is, we call him the brass man, or the, he's, a, he's an angel. Ezekiel mentioned him early on in this book, that he had the resemblance of a, a man that had the a shining brilliance of brass which is no doubt an angel. I met a lot of people that had a good tan, but they never came close to brass. And this angel is showing Ezekiel around. And verse 3 through 5, the angel is taking him around, and he brings him around eastward, verse 3, a thousand cubits, he takes him down away from the temple, from the altar. Let me tell you, friends, if you're going to get water of life, it's got to come from the altar. If you're going to have eternal life, it's got to come from the altar where Jesus Christ bled and died. If you're going to have forgiveness of your sin, it's got to come from the temple of God, from the blood of the Lamb. It's got to come from the altar. And the water came out of the altar and began to flow eastward toward the rising of the sun. To the, and the Bible says that this man, this angel took him a thousand cubits down. And when he took him a thousand cubits away, which was about 1,500 feet or uh, 1,750 feet down from the temple, and this angel walks Ezekiel across the water, across the river, and the river is only ankle deep. The phrase is used three times, this angel took him through the river, through the river. So a, 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 a thousand cubic feet, he took him through the river, and the water was ankle deep. He went down another uh, a thousand cubits, and he took him across the waters in verse four, and took him all the way across the river, and the water was to his knees. Then he took him another thousand, which is about 1,750, 1,500 feet on past that away from the temple, and he went across the waters, and the water was up to his loins, almost to his waist. Then he took him another thousand down the river, and when he got down to the river, verse 5, the water was so deep, and the river was so wide that you couldn't cross it. Now, there's some things I want you to see in this because this is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and how his gospel grew and become incredibly powerful. They asked Jesus in the second chapter of St. John, the scribes and the Pharisees asked Jesus in the second chapter, verse 19 through 21, they asked Jesus for a sign. They said, show us a sign. Do a miracle for us, show us a sign. And Jesus Christ told them, all right, I'll show you a sign. You tear down this temple. You tear it down, and in three days, I'll raise it up again. Now, he's standing there in Herod's temple. And Jesus is saying, tear it down. Tear down the temple. At least that's what they thought Jesus was saying. Tear down the temple, in three days I'll raise it up again. And they said, oh, 46 years this temple was in building and still in remodeling, and you say you can raise it in three days. But the Bible says Jesus, he spake of his body. He did not speak of the temple. He spake of his body. But he spake of the temple of his body. 
Thank God Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, and in three days he rose again from the dead. From raising again from the dead began this great washing of water and cleansing from the power of God. Amen? Hallelujah. The river starts small and grows fast. The river starts small. It trickles from the altar, starts small, and then it begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Wider and wider and wider. First to the ankles, deep. Next to the knee deep. Next to the waist deep. The knee deep means that you walk across and you've had a spiritual experience. I know a lot of people that's had a spiritual experience. They've walked across the water to their ankles. And then there are others that's had a deep moving of God in their life because it's to their knees, meaning the prayer life. They spent some time talking to God. They've got a time of prayer life. The water's to their knees. So they've had an intimate communion with God. Then there are others that get in the, the, the water up to their waist. That, the, the loins represents the strength of them standing in the water. And God makes you strong because you have spent your time on your knees in God's river, allowing God to move in your life. And so then it gets so big Stop and think about this. this. This water started out like a little trickle, like a, like, a, like a little stream from the altar. It came out of the temple, and the further it came, 1,000 cubic, 2,000 cubic, 3,000 cubic, 4,000 cubic. By the time it goes several feet, about a mile, a little over a mile, it gets, and by that time, it's a river so wide that you can't get across, so deep you can't swim across it, so swift you can't handle it. Think about what I'm saying. And that's the way it is with the gospel. It started out small. It started out with a little virgin girl and an angel that says, you're going to have a baby. And you're going to have a son. And you can call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sin. It started out small. One man God-man, sharing the good news, one gospel to the world, one cross he died upon, one body he lived in, one message brought to earth from his Father God, one cross, one death, one burial, one resurrection, one ascension to God the Father. It started out small, but praise God, it's huge now. It's an overwhelming river. Woo! An overwhelming river. And though it started out small, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I mentioned one time, you know, when, the, when you get into this river, notice he walked across and it's to his ankles. You know, that's pretty cool. Walk across the river and the water's to your ankles. Woo, splash around. That's pretty cool, amen? And, and the water heals everything it touches. Well, who wants healed feet and the rest of the body sick? Who wants just a healed walk with God when we could have a supernatural walk with God? And then the water's to his knees, prayer life, talking to God. Then the water's to his loins, he can stand up and, and endure the pressures of life. 
But then he says it got so turbulent, the, the current got so strong that you couldn't cross this river. It was so wide, it was so deep, you couldn't cross this river. And I want you to know when I was traveling in evangelism many times, well, I say many times, I would drive across places where, well, the Colorado River, boy, it moves on. And I remember a time we went rafting on the Colorado River. And, and this, the, the guide told us when we got in the, in, the, in the raft, he said, I got something I need to tell you. Listen up. He said, listen carefully. If you fall out of the raft, Whatever you do, don't stand up and try to fight the current because your feet will get lodged in the rocks or something under the water and it will drown you. It will destroy you. If you fall out of the raft, ball up to your knees, cover your head with your hands and just let the water take you where it's going to take you. And I knew then I stepped in the wrong raft I knew then that that was the dumbest move I ever made in my life. Did you fall out of it? No. I, I put in there, punched, uh, clawed a hole in the, in the raft with my fingers holding on so tight. I mean, come on. I, if that thing would have flipped over, I'd still been riding it. I want you to know when God begins to move, you got to go with God. If you resist God, it'll destroy you. When God begins to move, you need to not resist God. You need to let him take you where he wants to take you. Because if you let him take you where he wants to take you, he wants to take you to a place of grace and mercy. He wants to take you when you're going through a hard time, when you're overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed. Anybody ever been overwhelmed? When you're overwhelmed. Did you know that this, this river that's coming out of Ezekiel's temple, the millennial temple, that river is flowing into the wilderness, the desert. And everything that water touches, it heals. Everything that water, it causes flowers to bloom. The desert becomes full of life. And that water travels down to a place called the Dead Sea. It's going east. It's traveling east, and the water goes to the Dead Sea. When it goes into the Dead Sea, there's a reason why it's dead, by the way, the Dead Sea. There's a reason why the Dead Sea is dead. It's because it only takes in and never gives out. That's the reason it's dead. And I want you to know, if all you do in your life is take in and never give out, you're dead. You're not a good brother. You're not a good sister. You're not a good husband. You're not a good wife. You're not a good person. If all you do is take in and never give out, you are dead. Jordan flowed into the Dead Sea, but there was no outlet in the Dead Sea. And so Jordan would flow into the Dead Sea. Now, there was a little tributaries here and there, little springs on the shore. But when the water came and touched, we're talking about this river that's in the future, this river that's coming, this river that's going to come out of the temple of God in the millennial. This river, when it touches the Dead Sea, it will heal it completely. It will bring life to the Dead Sea. Right now, there's no life in the Dead Sea. Someone says, yeah, but there's a little, like, little brine shrimp in it. Yeah, that's on the outskirts right where the Jordan's coming in, right at the little tributary. But that Dead Sea is dead. 
Did you know you can't, you know, if you jump in that Dead Sea, it makes no difference whether you're skinny or fat. You jump in it, you're going to bob like a bobber. You're not, you're not going under because there's so much salt in that that you can't sink. And you better make sure that you ain't got any scratches because it will set you on fire. It's 35% more salty than the ocean. 35% more salty than the sea. Now, anyone knows you can pour water in Coca-Cola and it doesn't help. It ruins your Coke. Amen? You can pour water in your milk and it doesn't help. It ruins your milk. So everybody knows that if you pour water into something, pour, try it in your gasoline. You know, I mean, gasoline's high. Pour you some water in your gasoline. See what happens. It won't work. But yet this living stream comes out of the temple of God, and the minute that water hits the Dead Sea, it heals it. It heals it to the place. There's fish in it, swarms of fish everywhere. They're, they're throwing nets out. They're catching fish. The, uh, the Dead Sea comes alive. The desert comes alive. Why? Because the river, which represents the Spirit of God, the river overwhelms the Dead Sea. Amen. The river overwhelms the Dead Sea. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Some of you in this room, you've been overwhelmed, but you've been overwhelmed by sorrow. Some of you have been overwhelmed, but you've been overwhelmed by depression, overwhelmed by sadness. But I want you to know Jesus Christ said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And Jesus Christ was very clear that if we would come to him, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. That's John chapter 7, verse 37 and 30, uh, 38. Jesus Christ says, he that believeth in me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spake of the Spirit of God. Amen. Now, a lot of people say, bless God. Yes, amen. I believe in Jesus. Amen. Bless amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm something else. Holy Ghost inside of me. Holy Ghost flowing out of your belly. Not much is flowing out of your belly. Listen to me. He's not talking about you. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. If you believe in me, like the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. His is not your belly. It's the belly of Jesus Christ, the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. It's not you. You don't have power to do anything, but Jesus has power to do everything. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of the belly of Jesus Christ flows rivers of living water. Want you to know the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the more overwhelming grace and the more overwhelming love will come into your soul. And when that water touches the dead sea, it overwhelms the dead. When that water touches that desert that's barren, it overwhelms the deadness of that desert. When that water comes and touches, it overwhelms. I want you to know, when I got saved, the Holy Ghost came and overwhelmed me. That's how I got saved. The Holy Ghost came and overwhelmed me. 
I was overwhelmed with my sin, overwhelmed with my, my transgression, overwhelmed with conviction. God came and overwhelmed me. And I got saved because God took, well, he just took over. Hello. So if God never took over with me, then you're not saved. When God takes over, that's called being born again. Amen. I love this scripture in Psalm 61, verse 2. Notice it says in Psalm 61, verse 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. Come on, don't miss that scripture. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. No matter where you are on this planet, no matter what you're going through, when, from the end of the earth, I will cry unto God. When my heart is overwhelmed, then I will cry out to God, and I will cry for him to take me to the rock that's higher than I. When you're drowning, you need a high spot. You need Jesus Christ. When you're overwhelmed, you need a God that's powerful. When you're overwhelmed, you need the Holy Ghost to move in your life. You need that power and that wonder-working power of the Holy Ghost ghost like a rushing river that will flow from the belly of Jesus Christ, from the goodness of Jesus Christ. Did you believe as the scripture has said in Jesus Christ and you allowed the power of God to flow through your life and overwhelm your soul? Amen. Take me to the rock that's higher than I. Woo! Now, let me stop right here and tell you something. The reason we're not seeing God do things in our life because we're not allowing God to overwhelm us. We're allowing fear to overwhelm us. We're allowing depression to overwhelm us. We're allowing trying to make a living overwhelm us. We're, we're, we're allowing things of the earth to overwhelm us. But we need to let God overwhelm us. Like this river that overwhelms the Dead Sea. Like this river that flows from the altar of God. Like this river that flows to the desert plains. Like this river that everything it touches, it brings life. On each side of the river, trees grow up. And there's uh, healing for uh, men's hearts. And healing for people's lives. And the sweetness of God. And the goodness of God. We need the Spirit of God to overwhelm us. We need this. Hey, listen. Let the, let the river of God come on you and overwhelm your cancer. Let the living spirit of God come on you. Let that river of living water overwhelm your heart disease. Let that spirit of living water, that raging river, come over you and overwhelm your fear and overwhelm your discouragement and overwhelm your depression. Let that, let that river of God sweep over your soul, overwhelm your heart, and overwhelm your sickness and disease and overwhelm your fears and agony and overwhelm your sin. You see, when you see a river and a dry river bank and there's no, not, not much water there and there's, there's old tree roots and fallen trees in it and there's debris in it, but you let there come a rain and let that water begin to rage through that river bed and then just a little bit that them old trees and that old debris is just washed away. And let me tell you, when you let God overwhelm you, God will wash away a lot of things that's in your life. 
He will touch your life. He'll bless you. And we need to let God overwhelm us. Amen. Do you know what happened to Do you know what happened to Elizabeth when she was pregnant with John the Baptist? And Mary comes with Jesus inside of her. And Mary tells Elizabeth her cousin that she has the Messiah inside of her. And old John the Baptist, a little baby inside of his mama Elizabeth, he was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says the baby leaped for joy when he heard the salutation of Jesus Christ. We need to let God overwhelm us. Let me point this out and I'll be done. I've kind of stretched my voice a little bit, but I'm excited, can you tell? Notice verse 11. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. And just to put it very blunt to you, if you live in the mire and the marshes, you will stay as you are. If you live in the mire and the marshes, you will stay where you are. But if you will get in the river, if you will allow God to overwhelm you, amen? A lot of our people have been fighting cancer. They need to just let that river overwhelm that cancer. You just let that river, that spirit of God, overwhelm that, that disease and sickness. And as that river overwhelms us, that river heals us. And just as God heals the Middle East with this river coming out of Ezekiel's temple, the millennial temple, just as God heals the desert and the Dead Sea, God can heal you. Spiritually, literally, God is the God of healing and God of deliverance. Amen? Everything's a picture. Everything's a picture. Did you know every night when you go to sleep and get up the next morning, you literally went to bed. You literally went to sleep. And you literally got up. And that is a picture of a literal resurrection. That's coming. That's coming. The way I see it, I've had almost 70 years of practice of sleeping and getting up in resurrection. I've had almost 70 years of going to sleep, getting up, going to sleep, getting up. I'm, I've got all the practice I need for resurrection. Amen? I'm just hoping the Lord will come in the rapture and say, we're going to cut you out of school early. Amen. Lord, take me home. Altar's open. I want to invite you to come. Let the Spirit of God overwhelm. Josh going to come and bring us home. If you've got sickness in your body, let's let the Spirit of God overwhelm your sickness. Let's let the river overwhelm your sin. Let's let God do a work in your life. Just as that river comes out of 
the millennial temple. There's a river that comes out from the life of Christ and from the spirit of Christ. And he will heal you and he will bless you. And he will give you grace and mercy. God never gives up. God never gives up on you. God wants to bless you. Stand with me. I got saved when I got overwhelmed. And by the way, you can be healed when you get overwhelmed. You can be healed when you get overwhelmed. You can be delivered when you get overwhelmed by the river, by the life of God. All is over. You come.